and welcome back to another episode of Lost Down. Today, Stephen is not here, so that means it is a Wally and David episode yet again. So, David, let's throw it over to you right away. Today, everybody's watching the World Cup. You have the United States do what the United States seems to do every four years and build up hope just to strip it away. I know you were at work. Did you have a chance to see too much of this game? I watched up until the first goal by uh, the U.S., and then I got bombarded with shit, so I had to turn the game off. And then I came back to it to find out that we had, you know, Wales had equalized. It's not the worst thing in the world. We just now we need to beat Iran and we need to beat England or at least draw England and hope that Wales draws in like we're, we're kind of hoping for a lot of things we needed to beat Wales and Iran absolutely but yeah I mean we'll see it's it's definitely going to be a fun a fun group stage for us that's for sure it might just be me at this stage of life now that we're we're growing up a little bit sports it's kind of taken on a different I, I I guess for me at least because I'm so used to pain I have to almost like step back and view it from another like dimension or another lens it was, in a weird way, really cool to see Garrett Bale do so well and get his goal after how illustrious his career has been. And he's never been a World Cup because Wales hasn't been a World Cup in like 60 years. So to see Gareth Bale like get the equalizer, whether it be a penalty or not, it was cool. It just would have been a lot cooler had we put a second goal in there about five minutes later. But I, you're right. You're right. We're, we're going to keep our energy up yeah. Friday. Black Friday is America's even if Even if Wales, like even if England beats Wales, you're that's what you're rooting for. And you're rooting for the goal differential at this point. You're just rooting. We win, you know, we beat Iran and we maybe draw England and we have a better goal differential than Wales. That's what you're really hoping for at this point. Another weird thing too, is that every now and then I feel like you get a team like this Iran team in one of these groups that is already an inferior side, but then you factor in everything that's going on in Iran right now, where you got to imagine these guys are anything but focused on the game. I remember in 2010, I want to say it was France, a lot different. It wasn't like political. It was more in the actual clubhouse for France, but they were supposed to be like typical. They were a title favorite. They were one of few teams and instead they got worked by Mexico by South Africa and by I think Uruguay so you had three teams with six points and that's my only fear is that you're going to get Iran getting one through and we're just going to be the unfortunate team that didn't beat them by enough and we're stuck at home because we didn't beat them six to two like the, the English did today yeah, I, it's definitely a concern. That's for sure. But anyways, David, how are you doing? I I know that we really just jumped into World Cup there, but I hope you're doing well. well. We got some news later in the episode about Thanksgiving we'll get into, but how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I can't complain. I'm busy, and that's that's good. Days go by quickly when you're busy. How are you doing? That's that's always happy. It's just like, yeah, I'll be dead sooner. Like, hey, <laughs> get the days through. We'll be we'll be dead. It's not a big deal. No, I'm I'm hanging in there. I mean, it's a good week not to be a Broncos fan, which I think is a great way to even jump us in to this could have been an email. Because that game will be in here. I assure you, 
But should tell everybody at home, we are not going to be here on Friday this week. We're going to take Thanksgiving off. As I'm sure you guys can understand, we will be back here on Monday next week. So we'll be going over recaps there. So we're only going to have a few picks for you to Thanksgiving games later in the episode. But let's start with the Thursday night football game from this past week where Stevens Packers felt like they were finally getting things on the right track and the Titans walk in, not only shove it up him, they shoved up my hoop too. And you've been screaming from the mountaintops for the last few weeks that Tennessee deserves respect. I'm not quite there, but how did you look at this game? Well, first off, now that all three of our teams suck and have lost seasons, I think it's time to consider this an anything but football podcast going forward. But in all seriousness, it's not that I think Tennessee is a great football team. It's that I think we need to respect that with Tannehill at quarterback, they can beat anyone on any week. Teams like Green Bay who are like teetering between playing well and playing like dog shit week in and week out are teams that they're going to beat. I don't think Tennessee, I think they're a first round playoff loss if they make the playoffs. They're going to win games and they're going to win games like these against teams that at the beginning of the season, we would have said they had no shot at beating, but now it's like, okay, well, with Derrick Henry running the football and Tannehill not turning the ball over, it's it's a given that they're going to win the game. I get frustrated, I think, because I view Tannehill as great value Derek Carr. He's very good. He's a good quarterback. I just get frustrated because he's gotten the opportunities Derek hasn't. Mm -hmm. And he's got a defense. He's taken his team to the playoffs. And it's just like I bought in last year. And when they failed to meet expectations in the playoffs, it's hard for me to get back on it because it's just I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop yet again. But we should, for a second, talk about the Packers. It is a lost season. You're right. But I think even bigger than that is is Aaron Rodgers done? Or do you think that, like Steven, who's been texting us today, he thinks it's the thumb? I'm sure that has something to do with it. But do you think he's regressing too? Because I certainly do. Probably 50% of it is injury. To me, the other 50% isn't that he's regressing. It's that he doesn't give a shit. It's that he knows the season is lost. He's uninspired. I said it. I've said it for a couple weeks in a row. He just he's uninspired, and the Green Bay is playing uninspired football because of it. And part of it's probably the injury. And I'm sure next year he's going to come out and have a phenomenal season when it's all said and done. But it, it's hard for me to say he's regressing because realistically, his talent wasn't some unbelievable arm strength. It was accuracy. It was pinpointing balls exactly where they need to go. So having a thumb injury greatly affects that. So I can see that being a, a pretty big reason, but. For me, the other reason is just that I just don't think he cares. It's less of like a talent regression, more of like a I'm not actually in this to win football games. There also has to be something said about the receiver play. I know Watson's coming on late, but we're still kind of waiting for that emergence from guys like Romeo Dobbs. I know he's hurt right now, but a lot of drops there. I heard on Around the NFL earlier today, and I thought it was a, an interesting point by Greg Rosenthal. But he brought up that the first two and a half quarters, Aaron Rodgers looked great. But then as soon as the defense started getting stops in the fourth quarter, they had four drives to make it a game. And he went six of 12 for like 60 yards. It's just, it we're used to that killer instinct, kind of like what we'll get to later in that Chiefs Chargers game for Patrick Mahomes. And it just hasn't been there. Well, let's go to the next game here. We'll stay in the division. Always spicy with the Chicago Bears with you and I. 
But the Atlanta Falcons, they beat the Bears by three, score late. And I didn't even write it down. I can't believe I forgot. We should start with this. I'm going to call him Squared Arrow Patterson in honor of Steven, even though he's not here. Guy sets the all-time kick return record. Generational talent. We talk about Devin Hester needing to be in the Hall of Fame for what he did. Cordero Patterson's doing it not only as a returner, but late in his career. He's actually come on as a running back. So, first of all, I want to ask this. Cordero Patterson, is he a Hall of Famer to you? In the Atlanta Falcons, took advantage of his score. A lot of times we haven't seen them do that, and they do get a win against the Bears. Overall takeaway from an Atlanta perspective as well. So this was a shockingly fun game. Uh, yet again, uh, here, I shouldn't say yet again. In my opinion, Justin Fields has been put in a position to win a game late and has fallen short probably three times this season. Now, is that an indictment on him or more so Chicago? Probably more so Chicago, but at some point, he has to step up. Like at some point, even without the talent, you got to step up. All that being said, I, I think he is getting better. I still don't think he's like the guy, but I think he's getting better. And I don't think we've seen the best of Justin Fields yet. But from an Atlanta perspective, I mean, I think I'm done betting with Atlanta because I don't know which team is showing up to play each week. There's been a lot. Are of you, you going to join me with from. understanding the hatred for them? I can't. I, yeah. I can't do Atlanta. I know. I just like I can't even imagine being a fan because like if knowing that they can put up games like this where they score a lot and then you follow it up with some stinker the following week, I'd be enraged. I shouldn't talk much since I'm a Browns fan. You know, I, I just like I, I think I'm done betting on Atlanta. That being said, as far as Cordero Patterson goes, for him to be a Hall of Famer, Devin Hester has to get in, Josh Cribbs has to get in, and then I would put him in. And even then, there are players who you could argue probably also deserve to get in that played before Hester and before Cribs. It's just those two with Josh Cribs punt returning and Devin Hester. Or may, no, it's reverse. It's it's Devin Hester as a whole, really. But Josh, you Cribs, can see that with both Josh Cribs and Devin Hester, they were complete returners. Right. And both of them re like, obviously Hester set both records, but I think Cribs reset. I want to say maybe it was the kick return record. For touchdowns, it might have been punt return, but I want to say it was kick return. Regardless, those two, the, the NFL has to acknowledge the position exists, and those two have to get in before Patterson gets in the hall for me. I would love at some point for them to get so focalized for the Hall of Fame that you even see specialists like long snappers get in. Because there's guys out there that have played like 200 straight games that you don't know their name. And that is a good thing. When you know your long snapper's lame, then we start getting in trouble. So I would like to see more of a, a special teams, I, I guess, wing of the Hall of Fame, at least a little bit more emphasis, because it is a major part of the game. We'll get into that with New England and New York here before too long. But it is something that's so often overlooked. It's frustrating. The Falcons, I got nothing to say on that. I, I, they're... Like you said, they're an anomaly. I'm tired of having to question each week who they are. The Bears, though, the only defense I'd have, and I'm not even necessarily sure it's a defense, but what's the difference between Justin Fields going into his last drives in the drives he's had in the lead-up? It's the time on the clock and what the offense is able to do. 
They're not a running team. They're not going to be able to run with Justin Fields inside two minutes left without that time. That is also an indictment that you're not able to throw it as well right now. But I'm still, you know what camp I'm in, so it's not, we're not going to beat a dead horse. It, when you have the talent there around him, I think it's going to get better. Until then, it's kind of difficult to see. Let's go to the guy that people really, I feel like, equate him to and compare his game a lot with, and that being Lamar Jackson. They beat Carolina 13-3. to I got a fun stat. I'll read it, but that's about the only fun thing I had from this game is that Baltimore has now led by double digits in every single game this season. That is the first time that's happened in over a decade. We're talking about some of the great teams of all times that have had that, but they're seven and three. So you look at it with two sides of the coin. One, we're getting ourselves in a position to win these games, and we've only been able to close out seven of them. Where do you go? Is this a Baltimore team that can figure it out, can figure out how to beat teams like Carolina better than they did on Sunday? I don't know. I, this My only takeaway from this game is that Baltimore looked like absolute shit against one of the worst teams in the NFL. And even if they did end up winning by double digits, it, it wasn't pretty. And it really didn't speak to me like a team that won by double digits, uh, if that makes sense. I just this team just feels like a team that plays to the level of their opponent. They might start hot, but at the end of the day, they're playing whatever level of football their opponent's playing. And I'm I just like I don't. This is one of those teams that's going to get into the playoffs with a really good record. And again, like I say about the Titans, I'm not a believer in this team. They're they're a loser to me. They're not going to make the Super Bowl. And I have I would give them a one percent chance at doing it. And that might be a hot take. I just like they're not. They have shown me nothing all year that says we're going to beat really good playoff teams and soundly. I might be mistaken here, but I'm pretty sure. The only playoff win between these two, and this is coming off the cuff of what you just said, but I think the only win between them in the playoffs was Tennessee beating Baltimore. Has Baltimore got a win and I'm missing it? I'm I want to say they might have won one with Lamar and he played terrible now that I think about it. That's a great question, actually. I think Lamar Jackson is one and three in the playoffs. Okay, so he does have probably one, but he's not played well, even because I do think he has one now that I say that out loud. It's against Tennessee. His there you go. Against Tennessee. So and he it, lost to Tennessee. It's two consecutive years. 20 and Perfect. They lost in 20. They won in 21. And then their win, you were right. Lamar Jackson, he was 17 of 24. But I had 179 yards passing and zero touchdowns and one interception. And he took five sacks. And that was their win. That's the only way these two teams can get a playoff win. Yeah. It's like they have to play each other because they're frauds. I'm with you. If I'm going to scream from the mountaintops that the Titans are frauds, I'll stand next to you at the Ravens. I can't talk out of both sides of my mouth. So I'm with you, David. Here's here's an interesting one. Now that you've got me looked into this, in the playoffs, Lamar Jackson is – 76 of 136 with a 56% completion percentage, 900 yards, three touchdowns, five interceptions, and has taken 19 sacks in four games. Oh, my God. I'd love to know. Do you have his rushing yards right there? I don't have them on me, but I could get them probably. Well, because the only reason I wonder is because I bet you he also struggled running the ball in those games because that's where his passing, I feel like, really takes another step is when he's able to run the ball and you have to actually respect it. But otherwise, I mean, dude, Baltimore, I'm getting close to being in that camp with you. I can't pull up rushing stats quickly, but 
I'm with you. It can't be good because that's why he was forced to throw, and that's why he's throwing interceptions. All right, I found it. So, in well, what's really funny is actually looking at this. Their loss against Baltimore, he had he had a 52% completion percentage. Wait, their loss against who? You said Baltimore. Sorry, their loss against Tennessee. They had he had a 30. He went 31 to 59, 52% completion percentage. That's pretty bad. But 365 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, took four sacks. But he had 20 attempts for 143 rushing yards. All right, so um, I'm an idiot. Also lost a fumble. So he's turning the ball over a lot in the playoffs. His first game in the playoffs, he actually did – I mean, his completion percentage is awful. He's just not doing well throwing the ball. But his first game, he had nine attempts for 54 yards rushing. The game that they beat Tennessee, he had 16 attempts for 136 yards. And then the game they lost to Buffalo the same year, so last year, he had nine attempts for 34 yards rushing. He's running the ball very well against Tennessee, but can't throw the ball for shit against all four games he played. And the two other teams, like against the Chargers and Buffalo, he could not get the ball going on the ground either, okay. which makes sense because those defenses are basically set up to contain. So he is under a thousand yards. So he's averaging about 225 yards passing a game. And it sounds like somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 or 60 yards. It's the turnovers for him, it sounds like, is the big problem because he had five interceptions of what you said. And, and he's five fumbles, and he's taken uh, – Are those five I mean? lost fumbles or five fumbles, period? Five fumbles, period. Two fumbles lost, but still fumbled, fumbles regardless turn momentum, regardless of if you recover or not. Well, plus you run differently the rest of the game. It starts getting in the back of your head too. I mean, you see with Melvin Ingram, he's a mental midget right now, and he just got cut today. For those fumbling problems. So, interesting. Keep your eye on that. Obviously, David's not high on Lamar. I've kind of jumped on that bandwagon as well. So, they're going to be in the playoffs. It's just a matter of, can they eventually get over the hump in the playoffs? Well, you know, we can just transition this to another dog shit quarterback in the same division in Jacoby Brissett. Cleveland getting what didn't look like a wallet, but got walloped by the Buffalo Bills. My only comments on this game are Browns are going to Browns. The season's lost, and I hate Cleveland. So go Cavs. I somehow skipped two games there, David, as you can see on the rundown. I don't know how I even did that. I had such fine, little respect it transitions for the- well regardless. <laughs> it, they're all 1 o'clock games. It doesn't matter. No, you're good. I'm more or less talking out loud. I don't know how I did that. I was looking down. I'm like, what is he talking about? The Browns and Bills. <laughs> No, I mean, the only thing I'd say on this game is I don't feel like we learned a lot for either team. If anything, the Bills, after how tumultuous that week was with the weather and the travel, you're going to get a slow start. You're playing on a neutral field, all that. The Browns have their backs against the wall. They feel like their season on the line. So that makes sense. You have a graph in front of you right now. People at home do not. Basically, on offense and defense, this is not DVOA. It does not take your opponents into account. I think it is absolutely hilarious that the Browns and Raiders are basically next to each other on this graph for having decent offenses that have an abomination for a defense that is holding them back. The Browns, obviously, I know you're not, we're all on the same page. Brissett is not a starting quarterback. I'm not as low as you are on him, but I do think that He's a two or a three win swing right now to what the team is. Nick Chubb, though, you have been a a big proponent of 
Browns Twitter or Browns fans can be annoying and sometimes misguided in their wishes. We keep hearing the give Nick Chubb the ball. He was not really able to run the ball because guess what? The Bills front seven is electric. This is where you need to have that passer. But David, talk on this game for a little bit because I don't even know where to go. You said it. The season's over. Man, I, I think I sent you and Steven the stat that at halftime, Nick Chubb had 10 or 11 carries for 12 yards and incoming run Nick Chubb, like run the football more tweets in Brown's Twitter. And like half an hour later, I sent you guys a tweet of run the goddamn football from like a Brown's Twitter account. And I was just like, you know, it's it's just such a tired trope at this point to watch Brown fans, Brown's fans think that Nick Chubb is just going to run headfirst into a defensive line and get eight yards of carry. I, I just, it's the same people who, who, I don't know. It's just, I can't, I can't stand it anymore. I don't care if you hate Stefanski. I don't care if you hate the coaching staff. I don't care who you hate. It's, it's maybe 10% on Stefanski play calling. And I say that because we did stupid shit, like run a QB sneak with a fucking terrible quarterback. Back to back plays. Two consecutive times in a row. Like, First time get stuffed that badly, unless the center fumbled the football, I would. Why would you run that again? So that's where I give Stefanski maybe ten percent of the blame. It doesn't get going if you don't have a quarterback who's going to throw the ball downfield. If you can't, if you got a running back that's ten, you got a top three running back in football who has ten carries for twelve yards behind, arguably when healthy, a top five offensive line. The problem isn't that we're not running the football. It's that we literally cannot. It's that somehow the passing game has to become open. And that's where you get the difference between Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett. Deshaun Watson's on that field and you you can't stack the box. You can't use seven guys. And, and Buffalo has got an electric front seven, like you said. Even when they're not stacking the box, they're technically stacking the box because that that team is just, that defense is unfair. They get pressure. They get stops without doing any kind of blitzing. It's unfair. But, like, if you're going to have a defense, if you're going to face a defense like that, you got to be able to throw the ball. you got to be able to line up three wide receivers and a tight end, make them start playing off the ball and play coverage more so that you can get the run game going. This is just an ugly game for the Browns. This defense with a defensive line, if and, and maybe, and I know that our fans are going to see the graph here, but to give you an idea, if – the Dolphins and the Chiefs are basically slightly better defensively, slightly better defensively than the Browns and Raiders. And look where they're at in the season. So I mean, slightly like they're still terrible defensively, technically based on this graph. And if you added a defensive line to the Browns, they'd probably be on the level of the Dolphins and Chiefs. They take a step forward and probably be slightly better. If you take Deshaun Watson and replace it, Jacoby Brissett with him, the Browns are probably three wins better on the season. Maybe I'll give them two. Two wins better on the season because the three game-winning drives that Jacoby Brissett shit his pants on, maybe one of them doesn't go our way with Watson, but I have to imagine two out of the three do. We're talking about a whole season swing based on getting defensive tackles and being able to get our quarterback back from suspension. There was a league a football league about four years ago that was trying to get off the ground. Cause like, you know, there was a wave of like six leagues that were trying to start up out of nowhere, but one had an interesting idea of having the fans voting on the plays. 
And ironically, I think Johnny Manziel was in that league. The reason I brought that up is can you imagine that in a, a lost season like this, where you have such a large percentage of these Browns fans that are like, Chubb needs the ball more. Could you imagine just saying, hey, you know what? We're playing the Bills this week. It's in Detroit. We're going to lose this game. What we're going to do is we're going to give Nick Chubb the ball 40 times. He's going to have 60 yards rushing, and we're going to go to the like post-game press conference. It'll never happen. But be like, this is why. You have to actually game plan in the NFL. Let me tell you what would happen. We let the fans vote one game. One game, let the fans vote. We run Nick Chubb 40 times, he tears his ACL, and then the same fucking fans saying, run the fucking football, are like, why did you run the football so much? I fucking hate Cleveland fans. <laughs> 90% of them couldn't couldn't find a tail on their own ass. That's where I'm at. Take me to Los Angeles Rams, <laughs> losing to New Orleans 27-20. The Rams lost Stafford to a concussion. Just fucking put him on IR. Send this season to the fucking coffin. Cup is out for the season, supposedly. I I think it was confirmed he's out. He's out for six days. Well, he, he's out for the season at this point. Yeah. If they haven't said it, it it's right. unspoken. He's, he's gone. Like it's stupid to bring him back. Just put Stafford on IR. And you, I say play for draft position, but to your point, they don't have the draft pick. So I think like, it's like a fourth rounder. <laughs> right, but like it's like you know this is where this is where sending draft picks. This is where the 49ers could get into some trouble later on is like, if you're going to send draft picks away, you better hope to God that the draft picks you do have all pan out every single one, because this team is screwed unless everyone comes back healthy next year. And somehow we fix all of our offensive problems and look like the team from 2021 rather than the team from this year. Are you an American horror story fan? No, but I've never actually watched it. I've heard great things. I've just never, never committed to watching it. Sure. There's, there's a season, uh, the third season, it's my favorite one called Coven. And without like going on a long diatribe about this, there is basically this entity that you, it's like the devil. You trade your soul to the devil. You get whatever you want. This person lives forever, but once a year, they basically have to bring this thing like a newborn baby. And that is like the price to live forever. And that is what it feels like the Rams did. Because at some point, you got to pay the piper. And you trade these picks year after year after year. You restructure these deals year after year after year. At some point, it catches up to you, and it's catching up to them. Because when you make these trades, you're expecting Matthew Stafford to play at what the Hall of Fame level People, they, I'm not like getting into that right now, but if people believe he's a Hall of Famer, like that's what you're trading for. You are trading for that guy. He is in his prime right now. And when he struggles, when the offense struggles, when the defense struggles, all of a sudden that team falls apart. And what frustrated me most of all is it felt like that this was so uncharacteristic of a good football coach too. To your point, this is a... Season that's lost, and it feels like they were in denial, and they were trying to will it. If you just close your eyes and really want to win, you're going to win. And that's like what it felt like McVay's been doing. From keeping Cup in there 17 points down in the fourth quarter to this, it's in a lack of self-awareness of where this team and where this franchise is. Frustrated the hell out of me. 
On uh, the flip side, Dalton, this is where you get frustrated like you and I do. This is the game where we're like, this is why you put him in instead of Jameis. The problem is, is for every one of these games, you get two of the last few weeks. You just don't play Dalton in primetime. That's the key. You just you don't play him in primetime. Yeah, it's, it's the old college two-quarterback system, except it's just we have a daytime and a nighttime quarterback. Hey, you know what? Uh, what's interesting, and I'm going to move on from this, but it reminds me of, of I, I did this a couple weeks ago when I had, threw it in your face that you took the original Kirk Cousins in primetime to do well. Similarly, throwing it in your face, Washington 23, Houston 10. Remember when you guys thought Houston was going to like sneakily win this game instead of just making the spark choice because Pepperidge Farms remembers. This is such a sleeping giant that you're, you, you are walking the tightrope because <laughs> I'm going to end up going back through rundowns and like, be, Hey, remember when you just said, I'm going to bet on this 13 point favorite money line before you changed your mind. And then they lost. I that's shit what, on myself before you can shit on me. I know, and that's the difference. I'm I'm going to go back. The, the Geno Smith thing, I should just I should never let it go. That that is where I'm at. But I got nothing to say on this game. The only thing I'll say on this game, the Texans had five first half yards. Five. They were outgained by over 240 yards in the first half. And amazingly. Five first half yards, yeah, it was the lowest by any team in the NFL this year. We had a close second, and we are going to get into that. We're actually going to talk a little bit more in depth about that on the other side. But our last game in, this could have been an email. And you and I, when we get together, we 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 talk. I, I enjoy it, though, so I, I think the fans at home have to as well. But the Raiders, they go to Denver. They won by six in overtime. All I can say is I feel so bad for Derek Carr. Colton Miller yet again, like not yet again, Colton Miller pregame was announced that he was out. You have already that entire weapon core besides Devontae out. But thank God for those two because almost single-handedly they got this done. I don't know what to say. I'm kind of tired. I'm just happy that the Broncos are sad. Thank God for the Broncos. I find it so fascinating and this might be the only fascinating thing about the Raiders all season is that they're the only team to score more than 18 against the Broncos when everyone brings out the stat that the Broncos would be nine and two if they score in 18 points those two losses are to the Raiders who also have a lost season for the exact opposite reasons like the exact opposite reasons the Raiders we, we'd be a super team if we joined right. Yeah, if you just took the Denver defense and the Raiders offense and combined them, they'd be the expectation that we had for both of these teams coming into the season. All that being said, fire Hackett, which I don't I think I think Hackett is for sure done at the end of the season. For sure fired. I'd be shocked if he made it the full way. Um, although if they haven't fired him now, they probably won't. But Hackett's done. I'm still on board with firing McDaniels. This team, I mean. I don't know how you get you sign great players and then get worse, but that feels like a coaching thing, not a not a player thing. And it's just time. It's just called a season for both these squads because it's 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 a shit show for both these teams. Couple things, I swear I'll stop. I I am such a hypocrite too because I said I don't want to talk about this team two weeks ago, and it's just like you have to. It's like yeah. a. Yeah, it's like therapeutic. You don't want to talk about it, but then you do what I just did with the Browns and you just fucking rage at the screen. It's it's fantastic stuff. It's good for 
for stress levels. I promise. Yeah. Well, I, like, what happens if, if your, your mom got bit by a rattlesnake, what's, what are you supposed to do? You have to suck out the venom. That's basically what we're doing right here. We're sucking out the venom and it's not fun, but we got to get it out of me. I got to get this team out of me. I agree with you, by the way, Nathaniel Hackett, I thought there was a chance he'd pull an urban Meyer and get a mid season first year, which is so unprecedented. And then to go back to back would be insane. McDaniels though, I've got to be careful because I start watching those like post game videos of like an overtime win and what naturally any locker room is going to be fired up. It's going to be better than what it is. But like in the moment you're like, are things getting better? Is things starting to happen? So I got to be careful of that. Cause I'm with you. I, I think that the longer this goes, it's going to show itself. But for right now, I'm at least like being careful about that. The last thing I wanted to bring up is Russell Wilson. Did you happen to, to watch this game uh, in the fourth quarter? You were probably watching a Bengals Steelers, right? Yeah, I was watching Bengals Steelers. I wasn't, I didn't watch this game. So the Raiders gave the ball back to Denver with less than or right around two minutes left. Call two timeouts in the first two run plays. You have, I want to say it's right at the two-minute warning. They come back. It's like third and 10. This offense, this offense that has done what this offense has done all year, chooses not to run the ball, but they choose to put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands to try to get a first down and end the game. He threw it away. He didn't take the sack. He threw it away. And he gave the Raiders an extra 45 seconds. I uh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Because not only is this guy getting flack for not wearing like a, a wristband because he's calling out the wrong plays. He is he's like a mental head case right now. You, you can't even. What do you think that if, and if it wasn't, if Hackett didn't say this, he should be fired tomorrow. But if Hackett is willing to trust you and put you on the field. The expectation is, if it's not there, I collapse. I Peyton Manning sack myself, and I live the fight another day, and I put the best defense in America back on the football field with a minute left. Okay, so here are the two better options rather than throwing it away. I actually consider this a better option, too. One, like you said, you take the sack. But what I actually consider a better option Make a fucking play. And if it pans out and you throw the interception, you take a lot of heat, but it's better than throwing it away on third and 10 in that scenario. Any other third and 10, sure. Fire away. Throw it away. Get rid of it. But to your point, there's two options there, and like he chose the third worst option. The Raiders had 13 points, 58 minutes into the game. This is the best defense in the NFL right now. I get your point, and I think that, that again, it's a better option. I think sack's the way to go. All of this is removing. I'm just saying, yeah. there's a second option there. If you are if you really just don't think through taking the sack, like still trying to force the ball to one of your receivers against one of the worst defenses in football, probably the better option than throwing it away. And we're obviously ignoring the fact that the best option is to hand that ball off. Put the ball out of Russell or Russell Wilson's hands the way he's playing this year. And then again, the Raiders have the ball. They have to go 70 yards in a minute. I know they only need a field goal, but I mean, shit. <sighs> but this week's, this could have been an email was brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, 
high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you are around our age where there's graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it. Feels like it's happening every single weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on our Instagram page at Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Now, David, we're going to get into a couple of the games that we actually want to talk about, which is interesting to say, too, because this NFL week was kind of a dud. It it was a a little bit boring, especially after how great last week was. We're going to get into a couple close games, but quality really wasn't there either. But Philadelphia goes into Indianapolis to Jeff Saturday-led, 1-0 under Jeff Saturday-led Indianapolis Colts, and they sneak a win out. You were on the literal edge of the bandwagon, getting ready to jump headfirst off. Are you on still, or are you officially a detractor of Philadelphia Eagle football? I'm not a detractor of Philadelphia football. I love I love giving Zach Youssef shout out shit for and calling them frauds. But here's the thing. This game was more of an indictment on the Eagles for me than an impressive game for Saturday and the Colts. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm still a, a big believer in what the Eagles have to offer. I still think they probably make it out of the NFC. But if you play like this, even remotely close to this in the playoffs, you're going to get walloped. You're going to get demolished by somebody like the Cowboys who plays a tough brand of football and is defensive focused, right? And that's your divisional opponent. All that being said, you could probably attribute attribute this game mostly to what you could attribute the loss to last week, which was, you know, the fumbling sickness that's plaguing their locker room right now. Hertz and A.J. Brown had key fumbles, one that gave the Colts an easy scoring drive and one that probably ruined a scoring drive for the Eagles. Um, and if you if you play the game of what ifs, right, in this alternate reality, they probably could have won this game like 24 to 9 with just not fumbling those two times, right? Uh, you know, you can't be satisfied with the what ifs and thinking like, oh, we still won the game. And if this happened, you know, it would have been, we would have demolished them, right? But the Eagles need to rediscipline themselves this week before they put themselves in an awkward position of losing like three weeks in a row because of turnovers after looking dominant all season long. The good news I take from this game, Bradbury and Slay were targeted 12 times and allowed seven catches for 46 yards. The Eagles defense continued to do their thing. They're unbelievable. It's just the offense has stopped turning the ball over. It's that's it's a game of turnovers and the, the team with the least amount usually wins. I don't, I'm not out on the Eagles by any means, but kind of like I said in like week three, where they need to show me they can score in the second half, this team needs to show me they can rediscipline themselves and stop turning the ball over. Because if you do that in the playoffs, you're going to get walloped. You're going to lose. And it's going to be this whole unbelievable season is going to be for nothing if you don't get yourself disciplined in carrying the football. Let's take a step back. Because you had a great stat there that I did not even see until you just read it off. James Bradbury and Darius Slay, seven catches for 46 yards against. That is awesome. I know you're playing the Colts, and I'll get to them in a second, but that is incredible. Oh, by the way, Bradbury accounted for eight of those targets and only allowed, I think, three of those catches. The ghost of Dave Gettleman is still just torturing 
the Giants. Now they're division rival because they couldn't afford a $10 million corner who is now looking like one of the top five corners in football is now with Philadelphia. And what this does when you have guys like this is you're able to maximize the value of guys like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson because they're able to be a little bit more aggressive because they have confidence in the corners on the outside. I do think we should pump the brakes on the Jeff Saturday Indianapolis Colts offense. And this is less you. I'm talking about the football world as a collective whole. Because what happened? They walk down the field. They score on the first drive. Jonathan Taylor is just bullying that defensive line. And what happens? It's the same thing. They are the soul sister of the Denver Broncos. Their offense is just letting down a very, very good defense. And just like Denver, they both scored an opening touchdown drive and scored nine points the rest of the game. Their defense put them in a position to win. I This is not on that defense. They forced turnovers. You got off the field. All you need is, the, again, talk about the ghost, the ghost of Matt Ryan to do something for that offensive line to open up holes for Jonathan Taylor, which has proven that maybe they're not gashing up for 12 yards, but the Eagles defensive line is susceptible to at least giving up some runs. I will chalk this up for the Eagles at least. It's a weird week. The NFL, it was a weird week for almost everybody. These happen. I'm going to pretend that I didn't see it, but they are on my radar. If we start seeing this again, it's like, okay, we may have jumped the gun a little fast on the Eagles. It almost reminds you of that 11-0 Steeler team a couple of years ago that kept winning, and you weren't sure how. Take us into the worst game of the week by far. Oh, boy. You forgot who you're talking to. You're talking to a Big Ten football fan. This was gorgeous. <laughs> the New York Jets went up to Foxborough where Marcus Brown had more points in one play on the punt return to end the game than either offense put up in the other 59 minutes and 40 seconds. The Jets I am so excited. I'm going to read you a – not about this. I actually am rooting for the Jets, crazy enough. I just don't like Zach Wilson, but we'll get to that. I got to read some stats, and then I'm going to hear your thoughts. Negative 21 passing yards in the second half. 103 total yards in the game. Six first downs. Seven second-half yards. In the top it off, David, when Zach Wilson was asked yesterday – do you think that you guys, you specifically, let the defense down at all today? What did he respond? No. Not even an elaborate no. No. That locker room's gone, isn't it? It has to be. If it's not gone, I don't know. I don't say the locker room's gone. The locker room doesn't believe, no longer thinks Wilson's the guy. You put a different quarterback in that scenario, and we're right back to winning mentality football team but i said it before this is the ugliest game of the week before i get into the jets i'll just touch on the patriots right patriots running backs were their whole offense running and receiving stevenson six catches 56 yards harris eight carries for 65 yards matt jones was basic for all you mac jones believers out there don't believe the hype don't be fooled by 85 percent completion percentage 
guy was basic all game long. This is this is backup quarterback stuff that he did. The Andy story, Dalton went twenty one of twenty five. I mean, that's it's yeah. literally like you're saying. It's yeah, the exact it, same it, thing. It's basic stuff. You throw short of the sticks, you're going to get a high completion percentage. But back to the Jets. The story of this game is that Zach Wilson sucks. I swear to God, he couldn't hit the Hoover Dam if he was standing on it. He was 9 of 22 for 77 yards with two turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF. The most shocking part of it all isn't the seven seven second-half yards. It's not negative 21 passing yards in the second half. It's that Salah continued to say, without question, Wilson is the guy. Now, if this is a first-year quarterback, a rookie who's figuring it out in week three, I'm all on board for that mentality. But it is time to say, hey, you know what? We're going to – like, you pull your Hugh Jackson and say, you know what? We're going to look at the tape. I need to watch the tape. Though. I got to go back and watch the tape. I'm playing it till I watch the tape. I want to watch the tape. I'll watch the tape. Watch the tape. Watch the tape. Well, again, I'm going to watch the tape. And we're going to we're gonna figure out whether this is our best option going forward. I cannot believe that you would hammer Zach Wilson going forward when you have like five consecutive weeks, probably like four consecutive weeks of him being the active reason you lose football games. Forget Wilson saying no. That was just shockingly ignorant. And if he didn't get lit up in the locker room after that, that's a then the whole locker room just doesn't believe in him. You have to imagine the entire team has lost faith in Wilson. It's really time to roll out White or Flacco, really see what you have with the rest of the team, because with a guy that isn't a direct negative impact on your win column, like it isn't a direct negative uh, impact because Flacco and White can play awfully in one game here or there. But for the most part, they're going to play more even keeled than than Zach Wilson. If you get that out of them. I mean, if Flacco started the whole season, this Jets team is is probably a division leader. If we're being really honest with ourselves, I would I would bet that with that Jets defense and Flacco, this team's probably, if not the division leader, they're tied with the division leader. Right. I think you could say that with either him or Mike White. Yeah. I say Flacco because we watched him throw for 350 yeah, yards true, true. and that's just just burned seared in into mind. your mind. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just burned right in there, right? So it's could be solid just being a great head coach and building that that confidence, but still going back and saying, you know, is this our guy? I, I get that, but at the same time, don't bullshit the media. Cause at some point you're gonna be held to the fire for saying shit like that. So at what point do you realize as a head coach, maybe it's time to to really see what we got because Zach Wilson is not the guy. Zach Wilson is a backup at best, and he's only a backup because he probably is better than 50% of them out there as backups. I would take percent over. There are backup quarterbacks out there. I would take in a heartbeat over Zach Wilson, including his own. You you say Jacoby Brissett. I mean, they're, I mean, they're one or two wins better with Jacoby Brissett this year. Probably more. Probably more. And I, and I say that after shitting on Jacoby Brissett, like all year long, but the difference between Jacoby Brissett and Zach Wilson is, is Brissett was put in a position to win games in a final drive with two minutes left, and that's the difference between three wins for the Browns. And the different Zach Wilson was put in a position to not suck all game long and couldn't do it. So, like, 
you swap him. I, I don't swap him. I don't want Zach Wilson. You put Brissett on the Jets, and I don't think there's been a game where Zach Wilson has been. I, I don't, I, you know, I'm probably wrong about this. There's maybe been one where Zach Wilson has been asked to lead a two minute drive. I don't think there has been this season. If you don't ask Brissett to do that, he's probably winning three more games for the Jets this year. In fairness to Brissett, too, what's the difference in those comeback drives versus this one is that it's 31 to 28 instead of three to three. Like he's done enough earlier in the games where they're in that position where Zach Wilson, you brought up two turnover worthy plays. One of those, I cannot emphasize this enough. It bounced off in between the numbers of McCourty. It literally bounced off his numbers. It looked like he was getting thrown to, and he had the audacity after the game to blame the wind. He was like, Oh, you you guys understand what it's like throwing the wind like that. Like, uh, (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, this is the NFL. Tom Brady played in this city for a long time. Guess what? The guy's going to have a statue made for him. He might have a statue in Canton, let alone a plaque. Forget the plaque, just build the guy a statue. I I will say this, though, because we have seen Jets players, whether accidentally or not, on Twitter liking stuff. You have guys like Sauce Gardner who's coming out basically saying, this isn't good enough. I hope this wakes up this locker room. That's where the solid comments, I think, are tough. Because if you say that and the locker room has your back and at least can repeat what you're saying, it's one thing. When you're saying that Zach Wilson's my guy and then you're being undermined by your team because they're frustrated too, that's when it's a bad look, whether it's real or not. And you must not have seen it. It's only happened over the last couple hours. Sala has come out and basically said, we don't know who's starting this week yet. Oh, thank so God. Thank he's God. gotten I didn't bullied see that. by the media the fans out into there, it. Yeah, to all the fans out there, I was literally headed in my computer at work today, not looking at anything until I got to the – This like, happened like, right before we got on, so you're good. Yeah. So I, I apologize for not knowing that, but at the same time, thank God. Like, just take Zach Wilson out of the equation. And that's the thing. As soon as you say those comments that we're not sure we're going to see, he's benched. Like, it's over. It's just a matter now of – is it Mike White or is it Joe Flacco? And at that point, let's say that one of those guys goes down. It's not Zach Wilson you throw in. No. Zach Wilson's it, the third stringer now. I mean, it's it's that simple. And, his and time in New York is over. Because I think you have to figure out what you have in Mike White because that could be your transition quarterback, hypothetically, because you know what you have in Flacco. Everyone knows what you got in Flacco. You know what you have in Flacco this late in his career. You almost have to play Mike White for a game or two just to see if he was that guy at the beginning of last season who flashed some really fun games or the guy who was kind of shit in like two or three games. And, you know, it wasn't he was shit against New England. Right. All of a sudden, if you're at least Robert Sollett, you're like, oh, my God, well, maybe we're game planning really poorly against New England. Maybe that's why Mike White didn't look good because he beat up a very good last year at least, very good Bengals defense. Mm-hmm. And I want to say put up 30 Indianapolis, I believe, as well, that following week. So it it just can't be Zach Wilson. I feel bad, like, almost piling onto this guy, but at some point, it's the NFL. You're making millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, you, I don't, you, because he's going to yeah. even if even if he's not the starter anymore, here's why I don't feel bad. You had all the opportunity in the world to take it and become the starter. 
Now you have to, you're, you're still good enough to be a backup quarterback for 10 plus years in the NFL. And your best case scenario is you go through the Geno Smith routine where maybe you sit on a bench for, for six seasons and maybe you learn and you get better and you get your opportunity again later on and you seize that moment. But for now, Wilson is, I mean, your, your career as a starting quarterback's done until proven otherwise. I know that I give double wristers to Gino all the time on here, but I do think that he also flashed more in his early career. I think that Zach no, Wilson, you're absolutely right. That he's Josh Rosen. Like this guy is a guy that in five years, I like we might not like it'll be the oh Zach Wilson. Oh yeah, that's right. That he's that guy. He won't be in the league. It's not like he's a a Chase Daniel or someone out there who's gonna float around as a backup. He's not good enough to be a backup. And his play style is that boomer bust playmaker ability. You don't want that in a backup. You want the Jacoby Brissett, the guy, the Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy that's going to come in, keep this ship steady. He's not going to go out and win you games, but he's not going to actively lose them for you either. And Zach Wilson is the guy that will lose you games. But let's go from one sad day in New York to another. The Lions walk in to New York and really give the Giants the business. 31 to 18. Uh, Wandale Robinson, too. This sucks. All right, let's start with the sad part for the Giants because now it feels like all the fraud watch people like us that have been like, eh, I feel like the Giants are, are playing a little above their ceiling right now. We feel vindicated because it feels like the Giants have grossly overexcelled at this point or overachieved. Wandale Robinson, he's out for the year with the torn ACL. This is now what the healthy wide receivers on their team look like as I have my dog walking in the room. How are you doing for me? Kenny Galladay, Isaiah Hodgkins, Darius Slayton, good slot, David Sills, Marcus Johnson, Richie James. I'm not going to lie to you, David. I didn't know who four of these people were until I had to Google it earlier. Did not know they were alive. But Kenny Galladay, mannequin man himself, and Darius Slayton, it feels bad. It feels bad to be a G-Man fan today. Man, the New York Giants are so tough because it's they have no receivers. So this team is riding the back of Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones getting the run game going. I'm not off the train of of respecting them because I think that I, it's clear that they aren't as strong as I had thought, but like without a, a, a like they're as strong as their run game can be. So if you can get the run game going, the Giants are probably going to win out. You know, they're if they can get the run game going, they're probably going to win. But, you know, if they can't get the run game going, you're hoping that Kenny Galladay remembers what work ethic is. I, I just like. For me, this game was it was it was the Jamal Williams show. It was he leads the league with 12 scores. He's been efficient all season. The guy wasn't even supposed to play at the start of the season. The game as a whole, and and listen up, Cleveland fans. The Lions defensive line is why they won the game. <laughs> the line is the anchor of the defense. And they shut down that defensive line. I don't forget linebackers, forget secondary. The defensive line shut down an elite run game. 
a defensive tackle, CC Cleveland fans, who blame Joe Woods for everything, Aleem McNeil led the group with three run stops. Oh, by the way, that meant nothing in comparison to his seven pressures in pass rush. Defensive tackles matter. They are the most underrated position on the defense. And I'm just so tired of seeing everyone else have good fat boys in the trenches. And I got to watch Cleveland put Miles Garrett and three bums out every week. And that's, that's all I got. Take it away. No, I'm thrilled. Seriously, that you decided to go with the happy route. Cause the giants just depressed me. Cause they're not going to, I mean, they're, they're a team that very possibly might not even make the playoffs. If you look at their schedule, who they still have to play the way they're playing now, but the lions, be fired up, Lions fans. I mean, this team embodies Dan Campbell. Because to your point, the trenches are starting to play better. We remember how this defense started the year. It looked historically bad. It's not only gotten better, it's gotten to the point where there's games where they flash looking good because they play with an attitude on that defensive line. And even better news, Jamison Williams was announced that he is going to be off the pup list. So he is going to have three weeks to practice and hopefully get healthy enough to play. But that means you're even going to get flashes of Jamison Williams. You are going to be able to have, for the first time in forever, an offseason that you're like, oh, my God, the future is bright. Like, we didn't talk ourselves into it. It's actually bright. We have good coaches. We have good players. And now you're going to have a great pick because the Los Angeles Rams are going to be picking in the top five at the end of the year. You're going to get a quarterback pick, and you can keep rooting for wins the rest of the year. This is such an unusual spot to be in. I couldn't be happier for Detroit. If they're in that fraternity of the Raiders, Browns, Washington, that is just miserable all the time, they deserve it, and I'm really happy for them. You, this Lions team, and, and this is you brought up a great point. The draft position they go into in the offseason, a top five pick. Here's what you can do with that. You find you don't have to take a quarterback. It would be smart to take a quarterback if the right one's there. Key True. being the right one. True. But you don't have to as long as you hit on an elite non-quarterback player. If you don't take the quarterback, you have Jared Goff, who is good enough to get you to a Super Bowl, as proven, with the team around him. If you draft an elite talent, whether it be receiver, whether it be D-line, whether it be secondary, those three positions, you draft an elite talent and you are in for a world of happiness, even if you keep Jared Goff. That being said, there's going to be quarterbacks there that you're going to want to take. Highly recommend it because you take that top five pick, you still get picks throughout the draft where if you hit on the team is still unbelievably fun, unbelievably better and unbelievably fun. But that top five pick doesn't have to be a quarterback. As long as you hit on that pick, the future is so fucking bright for the lions. And I'm on, I'm like, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon, not, not the remainder of the season. They, they might be good enough to win a couple more games, but this is, this is just a fun team to watch. I'm not on the bandwagon like I was early in the season, but this off season, watch them closely. Because if they make the right moves, 
I am fucking hammering the Lions bandwagon next year. I hate that you did this to me because now you already have me excited for the draft. But in your reality, in your world, that they decide that they're whether they go with golf or who knows, maybe they go with a veteran quarterback in free agency. They figure out, hey, you know, let's take a shot for a year or two. We can draft a quarterback when we decide we want one. Imagine a world where Aiden Hutchinson's on one side, who's proven to be a solid, a solid player. He the, the, the edge rushing class was a little down last year. Like Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, they're more well-rounded players. They're guys that are good in the run game. They're the guys that you're not gonna ever see the the 20 sack seasons. They're the guys that you get an 11 or 12 sack season, you live with it because you know what they're doing the rest of the time. But imagine him on one side and Will Anderson on the other side. All of a sudden, you go from the defense being a complete liability to if Jeffrey Okuda continues to play better like he has, you could make the defense a strength for the Detroit Lions. And their offense is already great. The only part about the offense that's struggling is Jared Goff. And if we're going to make excuses for Justin Fields, we got to make excuses for him. Outside of the sun god, who's he throwing to? I 100%. mean, he, yeah, Hawkinson's gone. But- Here's an interesting thing, too. You made a great point about Hutchinson. Hutchinson is he's somewhere between Trey Hendrickson and Jadavian Clowney. He's your he's an elite number two and a very good number one defensive end. And if you put an elite defensive end on the other end, they're going to fry offensive lines, similar to the way that JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney fried offensive lines. And if you make that move, it's ri- both both options are risky for quarterback scenarios. Not drafting a quarterback super risky because you are, you could potentially ruin the future of your franchise that's so bright. But drafting the wrong quarterback does the exact same thing. So like that's where I go with, hey, if you think Goff is good enough, if you put the talent around him, I would almost draft. Maybe it is. A defensive end maybe it is maybe it is a receiver maybe it's it's who are you just have to hit on that pick take the best player available whether it's a quarterback whether it's a defensive end whether it's secondary whether it's receiver it's got to be one of those four that's how they're going to get better but it's got to be one of those four best player available does it fit at the slot that they're getting them at and if it doesn't then do we trade back to eight, get another first rounder? This is you fun. are talking this like a fun. true gutter team like me this with the, the trading back, you and have, I love you. You're in a position, but you're in a position where you're on top. You can only make the wrong decision by overdrafting or drafting wrong. This I know, but like, we're just so Raiders and Browns fans. I had to say that. It's, I, know, I love I know, you. But it's, it's, I watched this happen with, with the Browns, and the Raiders didn't so much do it, but I watched it happen with the Browns where – you know, you trade back two slots, you still get a great player, and then you get the next first-round pick next year on top of yours. And now, yeah, you might have a seven-win season, but, oh, wait, you have two first-rounders that can project you into, like, a 12-win season in the third year, right? So, like, where I, I could build up this offseason for the Lions a lot, but you have to hope and pray that their GM is thinking like this because, like, if you're dead set on one thing, you're wrong. You're just wrong. You have to play it. Best player available. Who have we signed leading into the draft? What can we sign post-draft? 
it's it, there's a lot of different scenarios that shape the draft and then once you get there it's bet you have to go best player available you have to there's just there's no other way you can treat it you have to go best player available at the at the positions you need it trust is such a thing not only in a franchise but between fans and the franchise and thank god for what has happened in detroit the last few years I feel like you're building trust with that fan base where now you don't have to draft a quarterback. You can be the guy that says, Hey, you know what? We're going to take a, a different approach to your point. You brought up TJ Watt. I imagine, I mean, look what Alex Highsmith does with him in the lineup and versus what he's out. Look with what happened last year with the, the Raiders, Max Crosby, Yannick and Gawkway had, an unbelievable season. Forget about Chandler Jones. He's washed and decided he was going to – I'm done with him. But anyways, I I love that idea. I seriously love that idea. And even if you trade back, like you said, because I know that people like me, I love C.J. Stroud. I think Bryce Young's going to be a good quarterback too. But if you go through this process and you're not sold on them, you don't do it to, for the sake of doing it because every NFL pundit out there – tells you to do it. You do what's best for your team. You build the team. At the end of the day, it's your neck. And that's what always frustrates me because I feel like GMs almost do things to appease the media. It's your neck at the end of the day. Like I I'll, I hate what the Raiders did, but God bless them. They at least did their thing. They followed their image. They followed their idea. It didn't work. But I would much rather you do that than just do the cookie cutter Oh, Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay has me doing this, so I have to take Bryce Young or or uh, CJ Stroud one. I'm good or five, whatever it is. Trade back if you need to. I'm great with that. And, and this is I get frustrated because early in the year I felt like I had I have a couple of buddies that are Lions fans and they think that I like hate their team. I love the team. I just it's not there yet. It needed this year. It, it's it's still a teenager. This thing isn't ready to drink yet. It's not responsible. Next year, we're going to get it in. Next year's the time you have expectations, especially in this division, especially now where the Packers are falling off a bridge and it feels wide open. God, you guys should be happy, Lions fans. That was a big Lions talk. Take us into what we will. Instead of talking about what could be an elite defense next year or the year after, take us into an elite defense, Wally. I absolutely will. Because the team that the Lions are going to be trying to usurp next year is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. They're going to win the division. They had a stinker this week. They lose 40-3. to I'm inclined to believe that with the big win in Buffalo, it was just kind of one of those days. It was already a weird week. But that doesn't mean you can't give a ton of credit to Dallas on both sides of the ball. You brought up the defense first. I'll throw it to you. Micah Parsons, man. This defense, like, we didn't like Diggs. We thought they were going to fall off a cliff. If there was one thing, hand up, you asked on the episode 100, Wally, what have you gotten wrong this year? I should have said this. I thought the Dallas Cowboys were dead to rights before the season, and then when Cooper Rush came in, I was 150% sure that we'd be talking about a 3-7 and seven Dallas Cowboy team right now, not a 7-3. and three. What are your thoughts? This is an unreal 
team, an unreal coaching job by Mike McCarthy. Steven's on here, so we're allowed to say it. I, I don't even know where to begin. I'm actually really infatuated with this Cowboys team. So I am, but this is, I, I'll get to it. So offensively, the only thing need to mention, Tony, Tony Pollard needs to be full-time running back. Gotta, I don't care how much you're paying Zeke. He's showing that he's 10 times better than Zeke at the current, at, at the current day, present day football. One thing to watch for these Cowboys is whether or not Micah Parsons misses time with an ankle injury. If he doesn't, great. If he does, that's a major loss to an elite defense. Major loss to an elite defense. The thing that scares me about Dallas this year is Dan Quinn. If Dan Quinn leaves, this is the Dallas team of last year for next year. And that might be a hot take, but I truly believe Dan Quinn is the reason this defense is a step above from what we expected them to even be close to. They are an elite defense, and I think if Dan Quinn gets the head coaching position, I think he should get. I'm not going to go into next season thinking Dallas is going to build off of this season, and that might be a hot take. Regardless, this team is not a pretender. This team very well, with an elite defense like that, if everything goes right offensively, could make a Super Bowl in the NFC. This is that team. Now, hard to build up hype for the Cowboys because they never live up to it, or they haven't in 20 years. But this team is one I would be very afraid of playing if they're healthy in the playoffs. Be very afraid of playing. On the flip side of the football, the Vikings, I, I mean, the exact opposite. I think they're a pretender. I just don't believe a real Super Bowl contender could lose by 30-plus when they were 9-1 and one entering a game. I just don't believe it. I, I don't think this team is that good. I think their record is a fraud from what this team actually is. They could, what are they nine and two now? I could they could finish the season fifteen and two, and I would have them as a first round playoff loss. I would have them as a oh, fir the first really? game they play, first game they play a loss. I am not in on this team. Obviously, not like uh, matchup dependent, I imagine. Most likely, but I still don't. I, I just this team. I'm a Viking supporter. I have been since Adrian Peterson was drafted mm -hmm. there. Everyone who knows me knows that. I don't think this is the team. There are holes that we're going to pretend aren't there. And God forbid you trust Kirk Cousins in a primetime playoff slot. It's just not for me. It's not for me. And, and that's all I got. Let him play 430 on Saturday, like the old Houston Texans slot. He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, real quick, Cowboys. And then I got a, a, an amazing Viking stat I'll, I'll share with you because I really don't have much to say about them today. I don't need, it's not even like about like, you don't even have to like cut Zeke completely out of the offense. It's just flip the roles. Like Zeke should be getting six to eight touches a game. That might be where you can actually maximize what's still in there. Like old Zeke might still, you, you can get flashes with six to eight touches a game. It's just, he's not the bell cow. Stop making it out like he is. I mean, he's averaging, not Zeke, that is. Tony Pollard, he's one of the fastest running backs. He's explosive. He's right now, with, I want to say, it's like a minimum of like several hundred carries. He's top five all time in yards per carry. It's unbelievable what he's doing. Now that'll change, you'd imagine, when he becomes a bell cow. But that is, I think, a move that could make them not only 
a Super Bowl contender to get there. I think that this team, with this defense, if they can find a way to stay healthy, this is the team that can win it. If they don't have a goofy star on the side of their helmet, I think we talk about the Dallas Cowboys very differently this year. The way almost, not to the level, but the way we talk about the Bills, we ignore their past of failure in ways of getting in their way because we want them to do well. Dallas, we do the exact opposite. We want them to fail. As, and I'm not saying us because I really, I don't even have strong opinions on Dallas personally. I think a lot of people, it's like the Yankees where you're supposed to either love or hate them. I don't really, because I mean, the Raiders don't play them ever. So I don't worry about them. However, I, I think that America wants them to lose so bad. The narrative is different. And that is where I get frustrated. But anyways, uh, the Minnesota stat. Want to hear something awesome. This team is nine and two. They have a point differential of negative two. That is a real stat. Frauds. Just absolute <laughs> frauds. <laughs> they win every game by five unless they lose where they lose by 37. Oh, my God. That's such fraudulent football. <laughs> well, and, and, and they and who were they lose to, by the way, too? They lost to the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, two teams that will be there knocking on their door in, in January or February. So you're very much right. We will be monitoring very closely Minnesota, especially this Thursday. They have the nightcap against the Patriots. If they get back straight there, they get a win. I'm not like you where I'm going to completely call them a fraud. But they're definitely, I'd, I'd say, probably like, I think I'd put them as my fourth best team in the NFC right now. I would rather have, I'd pick the Eagles, the 49ers, in Dallas, and I might actually flip that to Dallas and then the 49ers now. And then I'd probably put Minnesota. But I, I see your point. They're, I mean, you could probably say Seattle's even ahead of them. But that's another discussion. I'm with you. Moving on to a game that I'm actually fond of and watched. And I say this, and I'll get to the point. Cincinnati, 37, Pittsburgh, 30. This game went exactly how I thought it was going to go, but just much higher scoring. I thought the game was going to end like the first half score ended. I just didn't expect these teams to put 67 points on the board. That being said, the only thing I really have over this, uh, anything on this game, right? There is a budding star on the Bengals defense. I'm ready to talk about it. And it's linebacker Jermaine Pratt who was elite yesterday, finished with a 90.1 grade. And over the last three weeks, he's had a 92.1 grade, which is second best linebacker in football. Against the Steelers, he finished with five run stops and a couple of tackles for a loss or no gain. And if the Bengals can get their secondary right, this is a complete football team, top to bottom. And Zach Taylor has no excuses for why they're not winning 13 or 14 football games in a season. And that might be a stretch, but it's not. You have elite quarterback. You have good running back. I don't think great. I don't think terrible, but good running back. O-line is bad, but you can live with it. Wide receiving core, elite. Defensive line, elite. You get a great linebacker in there that makes your linebacking core elite because you don't need good linebackers to win football games. And if you have one, it's a fucking, it, it, it is icing on a cake. 
If you get the secondary, good. That is a top-to-bottom, unbelievable football team. And if you're not winning 13 games, it is all coaching. It is all coaching. It is all play calling. That is not on the players. That is all Zach Taylor. And I, I know this is a Zach Taylor hater podcast, but holy shit, I'll give him, I will give him some injuries this season, but I'll, the most part, I still think he sucks and he's holding the team back, but I'll give him some injuries. But this team, as, as to what, I'll give him injuries as to why they wouldn't win 13 games this season. But holy shit, next year, if you get the secondary even healthy, but if you get them right, there is no more excuses. You are in your final fucking chance because you ruined the fucking team while Joe Burrow didn't get his contract, hasn't gotten his contract yet. Once he does, now you have to start taking talent away from the team because you got to start paying people. I've been off the Zach Taylor train. I think he deserves to send off into the sunset and get a real coach in there. But if this team gets a secondary, I hate being in the AFC North again because that team is unreal top to bottom, very similar to the Eagles this year. It's just at every place you look outside of offensive line, every place you look, there is elite talent. Let's start with the linebacking core. I think it might be the best in football. I think Logan Wills, because that's awesome that we almost have our own guy here now on the on the defensive side of the ball for the Bengals. Logan Wilson's been one of my favorite defensive players in the NFL. One of those rare linebackers that I'm even, it's like the Nick Chubb of linebackers for me, where I'm like, oh my God, if I'm a Bengals fan, I kind of think you have to re-sign him. Like he's the heart and soul of the team. He, he brings an element of toughness. And Jermaine Pratt has been the best Robin in the world in linebacker court. I think that the only other team I'd make a case for right now is the Baltimore Ravens with Patrick Queen being the Robin to Roquan Smith's Batman. This is a Bengals team that is about a quarterback away, and it sucks because Chidobia Owuzie is done for the year. And he was without a doubt their best line or a uh, cornerback. Eli Apple is even with that team around him. He's a good number two because he's protected. Mike Hilton's an elite slot corner. The Bengals have so much there that you almost get frustrated watching them sometimes because you just feel like they're playing two and a half, three quarters a game. And it was the same on Sunday. They didn't show up in the first quarter. It was kind of a weird play calling all the way around. And then they decided, oh, okay, you know what? Joe Burrow's going to have a Joe Burrow game. Even without Jamar Chase, I was getting ready to jump on T Higgins where it felt like almost half of the world was, where it's like, dude, where do you go when Jamar's gone? Didn't catch a pass in the first quarter. As soon as it was like from my mouth to God's ears, fantasy related all of a sudden the only player on the, the the side of the field that was getting the ball is t higgins nine catches i want to say 140 some odd yards 148 i think this Bengals team could be as close as we can get to a losing super bowl team running it back we've seen almost the inverse of what's typical where the rams have fallen off a bridge and the Bengals started off like it but now they're playing a lot better. They were 0-2 to start the year. They're 6-4. and They've gone 6-2 and in their last eight. They're playing real high-quality football. Those two losses, too, could have been wins. they got an interesting game coming up. You know where I stand with the Titans, but they have the Titans on Sunday. That's a real big test. Titans are going to want to get some blood back after last year when they're lost. 
but give me about 30 seconds on the Steelers too. TJ Watt, he's back, made an incredible, one of the best defense alignment interceptions I've ever seen in my life. I think even Mark Sanchez side, Mark Sanchez said that on the broadcast, excuse me, but on top of that, Kenny Pickett, where are we at, David? Because I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. Still out on Kenny Pickett. I'm just, I, I, I'm not there. It's just not there. I, I just don't see enough from him that makes it worth believing in. I think that the whole Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky QB room is going to send the Steelers into the, the QB carousel that, that the Browns were in for years, that the Bengals were in for years, that the Raiders were in for years. I'm not a picket believer, but who I am a believer in is Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City wins 30 to 27 in LA. Travis Kelsey owns the Chargers, six catches, 150 yards, 115 yards, three touchdowns. You have in your notes here that it's <laughs> giving Mahomes two minutes is a death wish. I think giving Mahomes more than 40 seconds as a death wish. Took I what, 18 like, seconds last year in the divisional round? Yeah, I just like, I, it's, it's, you're watching the greatest to ever do it. People can fight me on it all you want, but this is, if everything goes as it's going currently, this is the greatest to ever do it. And that's coming off Tom Brady era. That's coming off the greatest to ever do it and leading right into the next greatest to ever do it. This game was as, as electric as I expected. Pat Mahomes continues to do it week in and week out, man. And I giving him more than than 30 seconds to win a game is I would be I would literally assume that I lost the game if I was on the sideline of the other team. I don't want to be that guy, but it's just we've gotten to the point where I would li- I literally go in to games like this. And if Pat Mahomes has the ball with a minute left, I just assume the Chiefs won the game. I just assume that the Chiefs win the game. That's where we're at in his career. And I just, I don't know. I, it just feels so right to call him the best to ever do it because it's just an eye. He is a guy that we have never seen talent-wise. I don't care what anyone says about Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or whomever else. He has it all. It's every single facet of the game he has it. Calling someone the greatest of all time there's this early in their career is difficult. And obviously having, you're going to always have pushback on that. And then 15 years will go by and all of a sudden people are going to start saying the same thing. And then it's the, all right, well, why didn't I almost like get the pats on the back back then? Like we are, what we're watching right now is special and there's no other word to describe it. I think Jack Hoopler in our Mingo chat brought it up a couple of weeks ago where he's just like, hey, if you could basically have one player to like eliminate from an opposing team, but like not in a good way, who would it be? And I didn't say Patrick Mahomes because he's almost transcended my hatred of the Chiefs because of how special he is as a talent. Where you just brought up the two minutes and you think the game's over. Two years ago, I want to say the Raiders had the Chiefs on the ropes twice in the same season. The one that sticks out to me was they were in Vegas. It was when nobody was there yet. Derek Carr 
has an electric drive. It's where that meme comes from, where his head's down, he looks pissed off. Scores a touchdown to take the lead 31 to 28 at the two-minute warning. It might as well have been three years. I, I, they were on our side of the field with like a minute 20, and they were like, oh, well, we can't score with too much time left. And I'm like, that's so annoying. Like, that is, it is seriously so annoying. He's never lost. He has never. I think it's 14 and 0 now. It's something ridiculous. He has never lost on the road in the division. That is where you're supposed to lose. Guys like him, that is where you lose. Tom Brady, he couldn't win in Miami the last like decade of his career in New England. That is where guys like that struggle. Instead, he plays better. And he's got the best sidekick of all time, too, in Travis Kelsey, where you can start making a case that he's the greatest tight end of all time. I'm still team Gronk on that one, but I will. Ne- I really am at the point where if you told me, Travis Kelsey, you're not getting like a impassioned defense from me. It's okay. You know, I can see that. I take the blocking and I guess that peak of Gronk, I guess. However, getting sidetracked, it was amazing. Only Patrick Mahomes can completely erase what Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense did for the first time all year, it felt like, and they look good. And Patrick Mahomes, in the space of two minutes, Thanos snapped, and the Chargers were down low again. They're 6-5. and five. Now they're worried about making a freaking playoffs. And it's because they lose two games because Patrick Mahomes does Patrick Mahomes things. I don't have too much else to add. I'm so annoyed that people keep giving up on him. You were a listener before you were a host. You heard Steven do it for the last two years. What am I missing? Absolutely nothing. I bet on quarterbacks with teams like this. I bet on Patrick Mahomes. I have bet on quarterbacks all year long. It is the, the position that makes or breaks your team. And when you have a transcendent player, I would never bet against your team. Never. Doesn't matter what the defense looks like. Doesn't matter what the offense looks like. You have a transcendent quarterback. I will never bet against that team unless they're playing another transcendent quarterback with a better team. But even then, I just like Pat Mahomes. I've said it. I think he's the best to ever do it from a talent perspective. The stats will come, but from a talent perspective, he's the best ever. And I'm not like, I'm not even shy about it. That's what I think. It's what I've seen. And he continues to prove it right year after year after year. Skip Bayless take for you, and I want your thoughts on it. No, literally Skip Bayless, in my own head, for the people at home. Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes might be better without each other. Might not be a hot take. I don't know, though. Hard to say. Like, it it almost feels like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, well, I just, like, get worried that, like, Patrick Mahomes was almost... You know, doing the quarterback thing, I got to get Tyreek Hill the ball. He's so good, I have to. That I almost feel like sometimes it was forced. Like in that Bengals game last year in the second half, the Bengals took away Tyreek Hill, and I felt like the Chiefs kind of like didn't know what to do. They were like looking and were gun-shy. Now all of a sudden, it's who gives a shit. We're going to try to win the game, and however we do it, that's good enough for us. I don't disagree. I also think there's something to be said for your number two guy not being – a tight end and being another elite burner at receiver because you can't take Tyree kill out of a game without opening up your liability to Jalen Waddle doing exactly what you're preventing Tyree kill from doing. 
And that wasn't necessarily, it's kind of the case with Kelsey, but not really the case with Kelsey because Kelsey's going to eat yardage on, uh, he's going to eat seven yard catches. He's going to eat over and over and over again, but you can live with that. If you can convince yourself, you're going to get one or two stops through that, but you can't live with Jalen Waddle on the other side, burning you every play for potentially for a deep ball. You just can't live with that. And and Travis Kelsey isn't going to burn you deep um, unless it's a design play where he just gets open because it's bad coverage. It's he's going to eat you alive at six to seven yards a catch. All right. I really don't have much else to add. That was pretty well said. Let's now we're not going to do like I mentioned at the top of the show. We are not going to be here on Thursday. So what we are going to leave you with is Dave and I are going to and I mean spitfire. I'm giving you my pick, and pretty much that's it. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving games. I know we talk a lot when we're together. I just – it's fun. It really opens no, – I, I have nothing to say on these. Just, just Good. take them into it. Take <laughs> us into it, Wally. <laughs> Perfect. We're giving you these three games and these three games alone. But as it sits right now, the Bills are nine-and-a-half-point favorites in Detroit where they're staying in the, the four days since they played the Browns there where the total is 53-and-a-half. David, I think I'm taking Detroit plus nine-and-a-half. We got two helmets back, and you know what that means. We got those goofy 1940-looking Detroit Lions uniforms again, and you know who I am. I'm 1940-ish, and I like it, so give me the Lions plus 9.5. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm not betting in stupid large spreads again. I'm just taking Buffalo money line. That's it. Uh, Buffalo wins the game. I'm I'm confident in that, and fuck everything else. Next game. New York Giants at Dallas. Dallas is an eight and a half point favorite. Totals 44 and a half. I've got Dallas as eight and a half point favorites and money line after that slaughter of the Vikings. Sure, that game, they're not going to do that again. But I mean, elite defense versus a team that can only run the ball. If they run stop, they're going to win the game and they'll win it by a large margin. I know I just said I don't bet on stupid large spreads. This is like right on that gray area of stupid large versus just large enough. I'm just taking Dallas as eight and a half point favorites in money line. One of my favorite stupid uh, antidotes out there in the whole world. You've heard me say it a hundred times, but the frog, if you put it in boiling water, it's going to jump out right away. But if you put it in like lukewarm water and slowly heat it, it'll boil to death because it doesn't know that's happening to you, David, because this line, when this came out yesterday, right after the games, was six. And you're slowly, it's up to eight and a half. And you're like, ah, no, it's still Dallas. Like, And I'm doing the same thing. We're the Frogs. We're going to be in there together. Dallas minus eight and a half. I think the Giants are frauds. I'm sorry, New York. Love Dayball. You guys got a future. Your future just got here a little earlier than it was supposed to. Which leads us into the nightcap on Thanksgiving, our last game of the week that we are doing. The New England Patriots are trying to follow up that slugfest with the New York Jets by going to Minnesota, who's also looking to get back on track offensively. Minnesota's a three-point favorite. Total is 41 and a half. You kind of stole my reason, and I'm not even going to take it away because you said the reasons, but I'm taking New England money line. Give me Bill Belichick all day. Yeah, man, that's a lot of yuck in this game right here, and – my only the only reason I'm betting this way is because it's a prime time slot. So you have to bet against Kirk Cousins. And for that reason alone, New England money line. That's it. Fuck the spread. Fuck 
Minnesota winning this game. It's a primetime slot with Kirk Cousins. Until he shows an elite self in a primetime slot, you bet against him. You just hammer it against him. New England money line. And with that, that will bring us to the end of another episode of Lost Down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down, and our Twitter at Down underscore Lost. Remember, this episode was brought to you by Abby Turner Creative. So, David, that leads us to the end. Do you have any final words for us going into Thanksgiving weekend? No. Go Lions. Go Lions. Go Bucks. Happy Thanksgiving. And you know what you got to do? You got to listen to some Creed for Thanksgiving. It's football time. <laughs>